Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Sukoon, a Muslim wellness podcast by Nasimgo. My name is Farhana Kasamali and I will be your host through this journey we take together towards holistic wellness within an Islamic framework. Over the course of the next year, we will be speaking to 12 community leaders, experts, and mental health and wellness professionals who will enrich us with their healing words, stories, and personal journeys on the path to wellness. Indeed, those who have said our Lord is Allah and then remained on a right course, the angels will descend upon them, saying, do not fear and do not grieve, but receive good tidings of paradise, which you were promised. Surah Fusilat, Ayah 30. Join me every month as we begin these essential conversations to promote our community's well-being and healing and to begin to unravel the ways in which we as a community can heal individually, internally, and also collectively in unity. Please note this episode contains themes of depression, anxiety, and other potentially triggering discussions. If you or someone you know is in crisis or in need of support, please look to our show notes for resources. Our guest this month is Farwa Sheikh. Farwa is a research nutritionist who works for the New York City Health Department. She is an active member of the community and uses her social media platform to enlighten others about Islam. In addition to educating the Muslim community about healthy eating habits via Islamic medicine. She is a CrossFit athlete who believes the body not only needs to strengthen itself physically, but must also strengthen spiritually through meditation. Welcome, Farwa, and thank you so much for being here. alaikum. Thank you for having me. Uh, first of all, so Eid Mubarak. Eid Mubarak. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> yes, we made it to the other side. How was your Ramadan? It was amazing. Alhamdulillah. It was very needed. I think Ramadan always comes when every person needs it the most. Yeah, it's really true. Um so in reflection of the month, do you have a kind of a high point or a low point um, that you felt throughout the month? I know we say it comes so fast and then it leaves so fast, but then there are definitely moments during the month where you're just like, okay, we're only this many days in. And then everyone's like, oh my God, it's, it's leaving us so fast. And there's me sometimes when I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So did you have these like spiritual highs or any lows that you'd care to share? Yeah, no, of course. So I think uh, for me, the beginning of Ramadan came so quickly where I felt like I wasn't prepared. And like, usually I like to take a few days before Ramadan and kind of have like a plan. Like, what am I going to do? What's my focus this Ramadan? Like, what part of me do I want to change or do I want to work on um, and give attention to that when I leave Ramadan, I can take the kind of that spiritual high with me throughout the next, you know, 365 days till yeah. we meet back again, inshallah, for the next Ramadan. Um, so I think uh, for me, the beginning, it was kind of low, to be honest, because I felt like I didn't prepare the way I wanted to. And I felt like I just kind of ran straight into Ramadan without thinking and just kind of ritualistically doing things, just like doing your du'as and like obviously praying and fasting. Um, and I think there came a point where I realized that just the fact that I made it to Ramadan is the blessing itself. And that regardless of pre preparing or not, 
that I should take every single day I have in Ramadan and maximize it to my fullest. Um, and so when I kind of flip my mindset, I think I was like around a day 15, 16, I think I'm like, you know what, whatever is left of Ramadan, let me just enjoy it and just reflect on the blessings that Allah has given me, the health that I have, um, the just the fact that I have iftar every day, the fact that I have access to even technology and like the Quran or books to read from, because there's so many communities that don't even have these things. Um, and I think there was a moment for me, like the last week of Ramadan after Lelatul Qadr, that I just had this like spiritual high where I was just like, I finally feel like it's Ramadan, like for me personally in my heart, because um, I finally let go of that control, the feeling of everything needs to be a certain way. And I just like surrendered and allow, allowed Allah to just like let me flow through the, you know, that spiritual high feeling. Yeah, I think a lot of us feel that pressure about going into Ramadan and having the plan and making sure we know what we're doing. And every night we have that task list. And, you know, like for me, I was in tax season because I'm a CPA and I just there was no time for preparation or even completing like the Quran or anything. So my only to do list was just trying to connect more with a lot, just kind of always going back to that grounding remembrance of him. Um, mm -hmm. So it felt sad that I couldn't spend more time doing what I would want to do in Ramadan. But at the same time, I was like, maybe the goal for this Ramadan for me is just speaking to him and not doing a million things or trying to accomplish a million things. Is that kind of something you're trying to take forward? Because we feel this loss after Ramadan is over. Mm -hmm. But I think what we all need to remember is that Ramadan, the actual month is over, but we can still continue whatever we were doing and try and implement it into our lives, whether it's trying to forgive people more easily or trying to read the Quran and implement it more. Is there anything yeah. in particular you're trying to implement after Ramadan? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. There was like this point where um, I did watch like a live by Shif Hilly and he was just saying so many of us are so caught up in doing the checklist and being like, okay, I read this like, um, this part of the Quran. Okay, I did Dua Iftita. Did, did I do this Dua? Did I do Dua Joshin Kabir? And we get so caught up in just checking off that we did it to do it that so many of us have lost the actual connection with Allah because it's about like feeling Him and understanding His like grandness. Um, and then, like you, like there was a point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be like, why am I rushing to, if I'm not even connecting to this dua or these words, like, what is the effect on my soul? The effect on my soul is going to be just admiring like a lot in his entirety, if I could even comprehend that. But um, some things that I want to take away uh, from Ramadan personally for me is to be kinder to myself um, and to be, uh, just to be a little less hard on expectations from myself. I think um, we get intimidated by our surroundings sometimes and we'll go on social media and we'll see so many people doing so much. Uh, and then we sit there and we're like, well, I can't even do half of that. And then you kind of sit there and you wallow in your own, um, I don't want to say misery, but you wallow in your own, like, just like, oh, I can't do that. So I, why should I even try? So I think this... Um, year what I'm going to take from Ramadan 
is just taking time to reflect on the blessings that Allah has given me and sitting in that gratitude and just like taking it in. Um, because I think we all know this is that we've become an ummah of being ungrateful because everything is so uh, instant gratification. Anything you want, you can get it instantly. You want uh, something from Amazon, you swipe. You want like yeah. to go pick up food, you just swipe. And we get everything so quickly, but sometimes our du'as don't get answered. But we don't look at what he's already given us. We look at what he hasn't given us. And so I want to take that away this Ramadan. That's amazing. And it's so true. Like, it's so easy to be ungrateful when we don't get our du'as answered quickly. So we say, well, what was the point of Ramadan? That wasn't our du'as being answered is not the point of Ramadan. Inshallah, they will be if it's what's best for us. Um, so a lot of our listeners know you from your viral, the 40 days challenge. So can you explain it for anyone who hasn't heard about it? I started this uh, 40 day challenge. It was called the renewed nafs challenge. Um, it's been, I think like almost three years because we're in 2023. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what basically happened was I'm really into being like very disciplined. I'm always trying to find a way that I can refine myself and become a better person. Um, and I started doing a lot of research and then just seeing how like a lot of successful people have these routines. So, you know, you hear like, oh, it takes 21 days to build a habit. Then um, I, I read somewhere like a sign scientific article that it actually takes 66 days to actually like develop a new lifestyle um and then this like challenge came up across my life which was called the 75 hard challenge I don't know if you guys have heard of that but it's like really intense it's like 75 days of like working out twice a day reading this many pages oh of a book and it was like so intense and then when I was like looking at all of this, I'm like, none of this has any spiritual aspect to it. Like all of them just have this like very hard grinding mentality, um, but there's no like element of spirituality to it. So I started to implement some of the things that I learned from like West, the Western world with like just research books and successful entrepreneurs and like billionaires. Um, but the one thing I found in common with all of them was that they all woke up early. Um, they all said waking up like before the sun uh, was like essential for them. Um, and then the other thing that they did was like meditation and connecting to a higher source, quote unquote, source of energy. So I'm sitting there and I was like, okay, well, Islamically, we all have to wake up for Fajr. Okay. Islamically, we have to wake up and pray at a certain time. And we have been taught that like the Hajjud, right? Like this time of prayer, like two thirds of the night is like one of the most less times in um, the day. So I'm sitting there thinking like how Islam already has so much of this information, but like so many of us are chasing like uh, these science back, like, you know, billionaires and dunya oriented people. So then I said, you know what? Like I want to create something for myself. So the 40 day challenge really came out of inspiration for me to how can I make myself better? Um, and so I started to incorporate these different elements um, and I did them for 40 days specifically because I read a, um, a hadith that said like by Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, that said, like, if you do something with sincerity for the sake of Allah for 40 days, 
like he will show you the problem, uh, the solution to the problem you're having in this dunya and instill the wisdom in your heart. And then I was like, you know what? The number 40 is very special because we have seen 40 come up repeatedly, like in the Quran with um, Prophet Musa, you know, 40 days. Then we've seen um, with like Arbaeen, it's 40 days. We've seen 40 come up consistently. And I'm like, there has to be something special about the number 40. And so that's why I decided that I wanted this challenge to be 40 days. I was like, 21 days I've tried. It doesn't work for me. 66 days I tried. And I was like, I don't really know if I feel connected to it. 75 days, that thing was insane. So I was like, 40 sounds like the sweet spot. Um, And then when I found like Hadith that backed up 40, it even made more sense to me why um, it should be a 40 day challenge. Yeah. I think that's where I first found you is when you started that renewed nafs challenge. And I think it was maybe during at the beginning of COVID or maybe slightly before. But what I liked about it was that there was a communal aspect to it because you can do this on your own. 75 days, that program sounds miserable. Like I could never, I could never do that. Twice a day working out is just crazy. No, it's not happening. (laughs) Um, So I think the 40 day challenge when we were a community and it was online and we are all encouraging each other, like, what did you do for your, you know, physical part of your challenge? Um, Do you recall, or could you explain the different parts of the 40 day challenge? Because I recall it was reading Quran, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, there was physical activity involved. Yeah. So there were, um, there's like a few parts of it. Uh, So you wake up early before the sun. So I always said like 5 a.m. or earlier. I think it depends on like daylight savings, really. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And then there was uh, meditating with one of Allah's 99 names. Okay. Um, Whatever name it is, you pick it for the day and you kind of go into like like a few minutes of a meditation um, and then reading seven lines of Quran in Arabic and English. I picked the number seven again because Seven is also a very like special number in Islam. Um, we have, you know, like seven parts of our body that touch the ground. When we do sujood, we do um, like the walk around the Kaaba seven times. There are seven yeah. heavens or seven hells. There's a lot of power behind the number seven. And I, for some reason, was very inspired to do seven because I know myself, like, I'm not very good at reading Quran because like I'm not Arab speaking, Arabic speaking. Mm -hmm. So like, it's not easy for me. Like, obviously I can read it, but if someone was like read 10 pages a day, I would obviously (laughs) cop out like in like a second. So for me, I was like, I want it to be where you're still connecting to the Quran, but it's palatable where you don't feel overwhelmed that you don't even want to do it for the day. Um, And I obviously wanted to incorporate reading the translation because so many of us Muslims have, especially like um, non-Arab speaking Muslims, like we don't really understand the Quran unless you were taught. So like for you to just read the Quran passively and not connect to the words of what you're reading, like, you know, that it's not going to be very beneficial for you. Um, So I incorporated that. Um, Then eating clean. um, So just like picking any diet you want and sticking to it. Um, I like always recommend people eating according to their temperament because that's something that's very um, important in Islamic medicine. Um, but if you're like into keto or if you're into paleo or something like you do that, but you stick to that for the 40 days, um, and then working out, um, at least five days a week and reading 
a self-development book or listening to a podcast for like 10 minutes a day. So there are a few out like, you know, there's like six or seven pieces of it, but um, I like truly believe that if you could implement these like little, little pieces into your day um, after 40 days, like you would start to see a change within yourself. Yeah. And, and I did. Okay. That was my next question. So you did see that change after 40 days. Yeah. Because my, my goal when I started this program was that I was like looking very much for a purpose in life. I think all of us felt this when COVID hit is like outside of our nine to five jobs, like what's the reason we even exist? Like what's our purpose as, you know, Allah's created all of us for something, like some mission that we all have to fulfill. It might not be like saving the world, but there's something that you have to do in the human society that's going to be a ripple effect that affects somebody else to do it something for the circle that they're in and so much of the beginning of COVID for me was I felt very like empty and lost like I felt like outside of work like I got all this time back because I wasn't commuting anymore and then I'm just like but what am I doing like you can binge watch Netflix you can like distract yourself by going on social media but outside of that like what are you doing to like make you happy Um, And I just like went kind of into this just like very focused um, hunt of like, I still don't really know my purpose. I don't think anyone really knows their purpose, to be honest. Um, But like just like something that will ground you and guide you to work towards what you're meant to do. And that's kind of where like all of this kind of inspired from. Yeah, I think a lot of us felt that way. I know I certainly did like coming home after like doing tax returns or whatever all day, you know, you kind of feel like this cannot be it. Like this cannot be why I'm here. Like, so Mm -hmm. a lot of us were struggling with balancing that, like our nine to five job, like you said, which a lot of us need for, you know, whether it's health insurance or that's your means of income, you can't just drop it. Like you said, to go and save the world. So how do you find your purpose? So if someone is listening and says, look, I can't quit my job. I can't you know, join a nonprofit to save the world, what would you recommend for them to try and begin to find their purpose or try and find out maybe why they feel unhappy? Like I think from COVID, the residual effect really was, am I really happy doing this? We were in the rat race for so long that like you said, when it stopped and we weren't commuting, all of a sudden we were like, wait, hang on, this, Mm -hmm. this isn't working for my like mental well-being. This isn't working for my happiness. Yeah. And it, it's like when you realize how much time you actually have in the day, um, when you got it, when we got it back from COVID, you're just sitting there and you're, you're like feeling a void or a lack. And I mean, I would just, and you would use like social media or Netflix to just fill that void. And after like, for me, after like two weeks, I was like depressed. I'm like, this is not real. Like, like, this is so sad. Um, So you get like, I don't know, there was like days where I would wake up and I'd be like, what am I doing? Like, what am I? What is today? Like, it was just so there was so much uncertainty. And I think we all have that kind of anxiety around uncertainty, even though part of having the wakul is just being in the unknown, but it's hard for us to accept that. Um, What I would say is like, you have to really face the problems you're dealing with. I think so many of us use these external things to fill that void, like I was saying earlier, um, because they're distracting themselves from like the root of what's really bothering them. 
Um, and I always encourage people, and it's this is the hard part, is that if you want to change your life and if you want to see yourself blossom, you have to do something you've never done before. Because clearly what you have been doing has not brought you satisfaction. Like it's that, I never understood this until a few years ago. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again and thinking you're going to get a new result, you're crazy. You know, it's like, if you keep eating chocolate cake for breakfast and wondering why you don't lose weight, it's like, hello, like stop eating the chocolate cake. You know, it's kind of almost so obvious in your face, but you're not willing to accept or let go of that. And a lot of it is because we're scared of change and biologically and um, just physiologically, when your mind is ready to change and you start to implement that change after a week or so, your body goes into like survival mode and it gets very scared. And that's why you revert back to like your old habits. And you're like, see, I can't ever lose weight. Like, see, this is why I like um, like I don't have a job. It's like, these people are crazy. So what you start to do is you start to blame others and you start to always act like the victim where this is a part that I always tell people is stop everything, wake up in the morning. Oh, one of the rules and the challenges don't look at social media until 9am because so yes. many of us are easily um, influenced by what we see. Obviously it's clearly a problem in the world right now, but soon as you wake up and like, let's say you really want to have a child, like you're struggling, you've been trying to have a kid and you wake up and the first thing you see is someone in your community is having a baby shower. You're just kind of like, oh, okay. You like close your phone, but little do you know, subconsciously the entire day you're ticked off because you saw something that you wanted that you don't have. And you've already allowed something to pop your bubble that's already weak because you haven't been working on yourself. You've been neglecting yourself. You've been using Netflix. You've been using social media. You've been using, maybe some people use other things to, you know, food as a coping mechanism. So the first thing you need to do is when you wake up, don't look at your phone. If you use your phone as an alarm clock, what I do is I use my phone as an alarm clock. You turn it off, you flip it over, you walk away. You should not be touching your phone until you're ready to go to work or whatever. The next thing I would say to do is make sure you're, if you wake up at 7 a.m. right now, set your alarm and wake up at 6.30. It has to be incremental. It has to be slow, but it's a steady transition. What people do is they're like, I'm going to start waking up at 5 a.m. every single day. And like, of course, you set your alarm, your body is like, I'm not getting up, even though that's what your mind wants, but your body has been conditioned like a robot to just follow through like 7 a.m. is your routine. So you have to, you have to be, you have to know yourself. Like if you know you struggle to wake up, start with 10 minute increments. If you set your alarm every day for 7 a.m., do 6.50, then do 6.40, then do 6.30. And then eventually, inshallah, you'll make it to 5 a.m. You'll, you'll read Fudger one day and you'll feel amazing. And then two days and three days. And like, like I said earlier, like be kind to yourself. Like that's something I'm trying to learn um, from Ramadan. Once you get yourself even out of that like routine for two or three days of the week and you give yourself back 10 minutes, take that yeah. t- 10 minutes after Fajr or if you, you know, pray, sit down and just close your eyes and just think, like just let yourself be, feel whatever thoughts are coming up. Those are the thoughts your body is like, you need to address these because these are causing you internal pain. These are causing you internal 
just bothersome feelings. But the problem is as soon as we think them, like, oh, I don't want to think about this. Like, let me get my phone. Let me yeah. like scroll. Like I'm over it. We have to be okay with feeling because our bodies are indicating that something is wrong within because our mind, body, soul is all connected, but we've separated them. So when you're feeling pain, even medically, like you're scratching somewhere, you have like a throbbing pain. It's like you're, it's an indication like, hey, beep, 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 something's wrong. Like, let's give this attention. But what we do is we keep band-aiding everything. So taking time and reflecting on whatever it is, let things come up. And I always encourage people to journal, write out what you're feeling. Because from I learned from somebody that obviously we know energy cannot be created or destroyed, but it can be transferred. So much of our energy that we're harboring is so negative that when we write it on a piece of paper, we end up transferring that negative energy out of our bodies. So because we're so attached to our phones and technology, we're not actually physically getting our feelings out or transferring them. So if you wake up and you're like, today, I am so upset because yesterday I went out with my friends and they ignored me at dinner. Write that out. Express it. It's okay. Like, don't be ashamed of the things you're feeling and the things you're seeing yourself, right? It's because it's bothering you so much to the point that the first thing you thought of when you opened your eyes was that, that's a problem. You should be thinking about how you're excited that Allah let you wake up today, that you want to conquer the day, that you want to be successful, that you're going to have the best day today. Those are the thoughts that we should be having. Not, oh, I can't believe she ignored me at dinner. Oh, she like borrowed my shirt and wore it and I can't believe she didn't give it back. You know, like there's like little stupid things, but they're so ingrained in us that we're allowing it to already start our day. Um, And like, that's, I think that's where it starts is becoming aware and conscious that you're even feeling this way. Because a lot of us are ignoring these feelings. Yeah, I think our body carries that hurt. And a lot of us are carrying so much hurt that ends up going towards others. Like I feel this way. So I'm going to be pretty crabby when I wake up because I woke up and I started thinking about, like you said, the problems for yesterday and whether they are, like you said, very, very real problems of I want a child and I can't have one, or there's somewhat of the more petty problems where I'm like, why am I still bothered by what this person said? Like, why can't I let this go? A lot of us carry that around like these small things. And once you get over it, you're kind of like, why did I waste so much time like ruminating over this? Why mm-hmm. did I not just save my energy? But it, it is hard. And I think it's fair to acknowledge that sometimes those things do, they sit with us and it's not a great feeling, but I think journaling is a really, it's a great way to start your day. So you can put those feelings somewhere I think the problem I have with journaling, and I know others do too, is sometimes our mind works faster than we can even write. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, this, 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 this. Yeah, but it's so important to get it out regardless yeah. of how quick your mind is thinking because that's how much you have to unpack almost, right? Like that yeah. your mind is working so quickly because it's actually excited that it's finally letting go or accepting I'm letting go of this or starting to like accept, like accept that I need to express myself. And it's just like, let's go, girl. Like, let's hit this all. Like, we're like, get that journal and like, let's fill this up. And, you know, it's hard to let go of things and it's hard to accept that we feel certain ways. But we have to remember, like, Allah has created us as the elite creation. 
out of all his creations, he's given us so much more than all other um, creations. And he wants us to feel the emotional experience of a human being is like a blessing from Allah that we have the ability to understand anger, happiness, sadness. And it's, it's a test from him also, right? Like, how will you act when I do X, Y, and Z for you, yeah. you and your life? And it's like, it's catching you in a place where you want to be like, okay, how can I better myself? Did I have to react this way? How can I minimize doing this again? And that's yeah. where it comes with. That's why as humans, we pray five times a day. It's because we don't get it. <laughs> as humans, <laughs> like we cannot clearly, like if Allah thought we would be good with one prayer, we would be like the Christians on church on Sunday. Right. But no, Allah is like, I need y'all to pray five times a day. Because yeah. from Fajr to Zuhur to Asr, you guys forget how blessed you are. And it's like constantly encoding our subconscious mind over and over again. It's like strengthening that connection with our subconscious mind is by praying over and over again. And for us to not sit there and communicate with him what's bothering us, it's like you have to express yourself. Like that's how humans work. That's why we need to be in community. And that's why in COVID so much so many people they really felt that loss of community because we didn't yeah. have that interaction anymore. Yeah. And I think um Asa Jaffrey brought it up in one of his Ramadan lectures. He said human beings, we have the ability, we can act a certain way, we can react a certain way, but should you react this way? No. And you have to have that pause to think like, how should you behave? And with the five namaz, you should just keep resetting yourself almost. And I think that's what is important as we go throughout our day. But mm -hmm. um, with the 40 days, I know you said it changed you. But for me, even when I did your program, like if something happened in life, I'd be like, forget it. This isn't working. I can't do this. Like, I can't go to the gym. I hate it. It's boring. Um, this person really annoyed me. I don't want to read the Quran and the translation and try and implement it and do the vicar. What's the point? People are just people and I can't deal with it. How, how do I go about doing your 40 day challenge when I feel like it takes me like 80 days to do it because I keep falling down or life keeps knocking me down, depending on which way you kind of look at it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that instead of looking at it as life is knocking you down, you should say, what is life trying to teach me? Because Allah's intention for us is never to knock us down. It's really to build us up. And like, <clears throat> I think for like the 40 day challenge, it's like a benchmark for somebody to try to just hit where um, they're, you know, it's just providing structure or guidance of how your day can go and like how these different elements can add to your life. But I don't think at any means you should feel like if you can't do something like you failed for the day. And I think redefining what I had to do before I did this 40 day challenge was changing my definition of what success meant to me because um, so much of my life was like hitting these like goals. And when I didn't hit the goal or I fell short of the goal, I felt like I was never going to be successful because if I can't do this, I can't do anything. But yeah. redefining what success means for you is the most important thing because that will change your mindset on how you approach like a way of life. The whole point of for the 40 day challenge 
was to create kind of like this idea of we can incorporate Islamic values within our everyday and it doesn't have to be very hard because like we look at the imams and we look at like a lot of these like very holy figures and we're like oh my god like I could never like read yeah. the, like 10 pages of Quran a day or something so yeah. I would say like be patient with yourself but let yourself fail I think that's important because it strengthens you and it teaches you, well, I fell short the last time because I did it like this. Maybe if I look at it from this perspective, I'll be able to like stay consistent with it. And it's how you structure your day, right? Like so many of us, and I've done this, we, we put these things, important things for end of day. So you're like, okay, when I come home from work, see what we're doing is we're prioritizing the wrong things. So when we put work first, obviously we need to, we need work to be there because we need like the money and health insurance and whatever. But when we put work first and we're prioritizing someone else's needs, because your job, all of our jobs at the end of the day are so that somebody else gains success. It's not just, it's your success in your current just position, but you're making sure that the ultimate higher ups get what they want but we're not ensuring our souls are making the higher up the most highest of the high the king of all kings is getting what he wants which is like the praying the reading the quran even the zikr like sitting there and, and reflecting on his names so what i always tell people is the whole thing wake up a little earlier don't push off the quran and the zikr till the end Some people are like, oh, you know, I like to end my day with the meditation. Yes, but be real with yourself. You know, you're going to knock out in 30 seconds when you like sit in your bed and you're like, I'm doing zikr. I'm going to read Quran. As soon as you touch the Quran, you're like, yeah, you're going to pass out. So starting to sit down first and change your definition of what success means to you to waking up 10 to 15 minutes earlier, incrementally waking up earlier. And three, sitting down and writing what is priority for you spiritually in this dunya and like in the akhirah like what can you do every day that will give you benefit for the long term and what will give you benefit right now in this like world so you can write well i need this job what time do i have to be at work 9 a.m if i wake up at 6 a.m and i do quran and zikr for 15 minutes then I can get ready. I can get my family lunches together and I'll be out the door by seven and I'll get to work by nine, whatever it is. On my way to work, I'll listen to a podcast for 10 minutes. And now you write down structurally, how will you tackle these tasks? Because a lot of us wake up with this high expectation from ourselves, but we don't even write out how we're going to accomplish them. We just think I want to lose weight, but what are you going to do? Are you going to go to the gym? Are you going to change your diet? How many times are you going to go to the gym? What aspect of your diet are you changing? We aren't focusing on the details and the process. We're just focusing on the goal. We're not realizing that there's a whole journey that we need to take to get to that goal. So I think writing down your, like your long-term goal. Okay. I want to be able to finish half the Quran, like in the next six months, how can you do that? I need to write down, I'm going to read like 15 ayahs a day from 
6.30 a.m. to 6.40 a.m. Boom. That's a concrete goal that you see and you know you have to do. Okay, I want to reflect on Allah's 99 names. When am I most alert? You know, after I go to the bathroom, like do my hair, put my hijab on, I'll sit down before I leave the house. I'm going to pick up a book. I'm going to see, okay, I'm going to do, you know, Yahadi today. I'm going to read about Yahadi and I'm going to spend 10 minutes. I'm going to do that from 7 to 7.15 today. You have to get so clear and so detailed with what you want to do that it becomes a part of your day, not just like, okay, I have to do six things today. I'll figure out when they'll fit into my work schedule. You need to make yourself first. And that comes with really coming down on priorities. Yeah. Spiritual um, priorities. Right. And part of being, you know, a spiritual being and finding that maybe happiness is not the goal. I think the goal is just always having peace. You know, I don't want to wake up and just with a big smile on my face, that will never happen, but I can, it will happen. It will. It It will happen. I think you can at least wake up and feel a sense of peace in your life. And one part of your 40 day challenge is the working out component. You know, people who are maybe feeling a little bit low in life, things aren't really going well. That's, probably the first thing to encourage is just get out and go for a walk, get, try and get to the gym. And your Instagram stories are always, you know, I'm like, I see you weightlifting and I'm just like, I can't lift like an eight pound dumbbell. So I couldn't lift one either. <laughs> I didn't make you feel any better. So I think some of the men might have it easier, but maybe they don't. Um, I don't want to make any assumptions, but the women sometimes feel a little bit intimidated do you have any suggestions for starting to get into weightlifting? Because I think strength building is incredibly important for women and men. Um, women tend to go just cardio. How did mm-hmm. you start getting into weightlifting? Yeah, so I, first of all, encourage everyone to move. I think that's so important for your mental health. Um, but I used to be the girl who went to the gym and just did cardio. Like I was the yeah. elliptical girl. Like I only went to the gym for 15 to 20 minutes and I got on the elliptical and I would leave and I'd be so proud of myself. Like, I was like, you did it. Like you go girl. (laughs) And then I was like, so I was like hyped. And then I would go like inhale, like and eat a whole horse. I'm like, yeah, like I, I did it. Like, I'm so good. Um, obviously I wasn't seeing any results. Like they were so temporary. Uh, and then it's a funny story. I actually was so sick of that like life that I was living that I um I found a group on and I found a group on for like a like a CrossFit gym and I had it and I forgot about it and then I got an email and it said like oh you're a you group on's expiring like you know redeem now I was like oh screw this like I'm definitely not getting into that like I'm I'm returning this group on <laughs> so I returned the group on got my money back. And then I went back to the gym and I did my 20 minutes on the elliptical. Yeah. And I did it for like two weeks and I was like, so unhappy. And I was like, you know what? Like I need to do something different. Like I said, if you do the same thing over and over again and expect different results, you're crazy. So I've repurchased that group on (laughs) it almost expired again. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go one day. Um, so I showed up to this gym and, uh, I didn't get out of my car and the coach saw me 
from like the building and he's like waving at me like are you lost like come in and I was like oh my god I've been spotted I was like I can't get out (laughs) so I got out the car and he's like are you the girl who called me a month ago and I was like yes that was me and he's like you know welcome to the gym and whatever so I did it for like a month and I um and then two months and then three and I'm almost on my five-year anniversary of uh, weightlifting. So uh, I think one of the biggest things is one, be confident in yourself that you can achieve anything if you put your mind to it. And two, try something different. And three, for me, what I've learned about myself from all of this is that I cannot work out in like a traditional gym. Like I don't, I've accepted this about myself that if I were to, show up to a gym by myself and just like have to figure out what I need to do. I'm not going to do it. So I need to be in an environment where I'm seeing other people work out collectively, like almost like in a group setting that helps me feel motivated. So like go to a gym that kind of builds a community because now I have people who keep me accountable. If I don't go for like a day, are you sick? Hey, what's going on? I didn't see you this morning. Like, where are you? Like what, what happened? I don't go for a week. Did you die? Like what's going on? You know? So (laughs) it's like, you have that sense of community because you've like brought yourself in this initially uncomfortable environment, but you'll quickly learn that everyone's there to better themselves. And then you, you know, start to build these friendships and relationships that allow you to feel encouraged. Um, And yeah, like, that's honestly how I started going. Um, and I guess I'm a community person where I enjoy that. I know there's people who put in their headphones and they're like, don't talk to me. Like I'm in the zone. I don't have that in me. I can't do it. Like I will talk to everyone in the gym, make friends and leave like doing 20 minutes on the elliptical. So finding out what your groove is, if you're a Zumba person, if you're like a kickboxing person, if you're into going on the bike, if that gets you hyped and excited, do that don't do what other people are doing because it looks like it works for them. Do what makes your heart happy. Yeah. Um, I never thought I would ever join a gym and talk to people. Like I, I'm the same as you. Well, I'm the opposite in terms of, I just go in, do my thing and get out. I don't want to make friends, but then I ended up joining like orange theory, which I never thought I would. And it's amazing. So yeah. I highly encourage everyone, just try something, just try something a little bit outside of your comfort zone. And I literally told the guy, I was like, just keep me in the corner and don't announce me, just leave me be, but let me settle in on my own terms. And that's what, that's what they did. And it was amazing. Um, so another part of your challenge is kind of the clean eating. How would you tie the clean eating into like Islamic medicine and how that helps us? For me, I tend to always I'm always tired. I'm mm-hmm. always exhausted. Um, you know, I could take three naps a day and still be kind of tired. What do you feel about clean eating and Islamic medicine could help us in this kind of lifestyle that we're leading? So <clears throat> a lot of people don't know this, but um, Imam Raza um, has a dissertation called Rasal Zedahabiyya, which is a 12-page um yeah, it's a 12-page like dissertation he wrote for the ruler of the time, Mahmoud, um, about like how someone should eat and like live their life. 
Um, it's in Arabic and Farsi, I think. It's kind of almost been like translated in English, but I don't know. When I was studying Islamic medicine, it wasn't at that time. I mean, I'm still studying it, if not that. But what I learned is that there is like this whole like bank of knowledge that like a lot of us Muslims, especially Shias, don't even know exist. So when I learned about eating according to your temperament, like my life completely changed. Um, I personally don't really believe in Western uh, nutrition anymore, Western um, medicine as much anymore after I started learning this, because I saw the results myself where we all just jump on this bandwagon of what's trending, right? Like one year it'll be kale, one year it'll be like turmeric one year it'll be like cauliflower rice all of it. I don't know who the heck is making these trends up but like before you know it everything you're eating has that ingredient in it in excess and it makes absolutely no sense then you'll see people doing like a keto diet and the paleo diet and Atkins and like it'll work on me but it won't work on you or you do something and I don't see results so what I um have learned and I think we all know this but Every single thing you put into your body has a direct effect on your soul. Just like the way we believe in like, you know, what you watch, what you say, what you hear, what you look at, we, it it affects our nafs, right? And there's such a big thing around that, but we've completely neglected the whole aspect of food, how you can be eating artificial ingredients and it's building up toxins in your body. And we don't even realize that it's actually indirectly but directly affecting our mood affecting our skin affecting brain fog affecting functionality energy everything um so islam has a lot to say about healthy eating nutrition and medicine um but right now the knowledge it's not really out there um and that's something i was trying to provide on my social media but like i'm still learning myself So like, I'm not an expert. I'm just like, I was like learning things and like relaying information. Um, And then I got like an overwhelming amount of just like, hey, I have a question. I have a question. I'm like, I am not a doctor (laughs) in any means, you know? So um, definitely, I would say um, one of the biggest things that helped me with my energy and and changing uh, my body is cutting out artificial ingredients and ultra processed foods. I don't think a lot of us realize how detrimental those items are for our bodies. Um, Then the other thing I tell people initially from the get-go is to change all the salt that they're eating to sea salt, 100% sea salt. Okay. Um, It's like, you know, there's a hadith even by Prophet Muhammad that if you take like a pinch of sea salt before and after your Mm -hmm. meal, like you'll always feel, you know, satisfied or so you won't feel like hungry or so sea salt is very emphasized in islamic medicine and nutrition and then one of the the biggest changes i made for me was um changing the oils that i cook in and that i use so a lot of us especially desis and like um just like most of all muslims we use things like vegetable oil canola oil sapphire like just kind of like those big giant the bulk containers yeah like oh we got to cook a lot so like let's buy (laughs) the big big size those oils are so um processed that our bodies do not know how to break those down and in turn 
they're actually causing a lot of inflammation in our bodies. And that's why people are seeing a lot of these like um, preventative diseases like arthritis, diabetes, hypertension, um, heart disease. It's because we're consuming foods that our bodies were never meant to consume. And so everything that I started doing was like, I cut out these inflammatory oils and I put in olive oil. Olive oil is highly recommended um, in Islamic medicine, in the Mediterranean diet even. Um, and we know like Allah mentions like the olive tree specifically, mm -hmm. right? Like in the Quran, like there is like a huge nama, like there's a huge blessing behind the olive. Um, those are like very minimal changes I could advise like publicly because I don't know everyone's temperament who's going to be listening. But Imam Reza says, know your temperament and eating, eat according to it. And temperaments are really your personality type. Who are you? And how does, you know, food affect you? For some people, certain foods can trigger them to get angry. Some can change their mood. Um, some of them can make them sluggish. Some of them can make them like very energetic. And like, once you understand that aspect of who you are, you can actually uh, figure out like how you can function day in and day out with what workouts suit you best based off of your temperament. Um, so Islam has a lot to say about it. I just think right now, if there's like a lack of resources just because of language barriers and it's not common right now, everyone's very focused on like the fiqh and like the Sharia law and like yeah. not day in and day out living, which I think is very essential. Yeah. I think the holistic living part, like for anyone listening in there, like, okay, I can't do all of this. Like processed foods is just kind of how I go. Just, I think even making small swaps, like sometimes mm -hmm. people say like, my skin is breaking out. Well, kind of take an eye out. Are you having like a large frappuccino on your way to work? That has a ton of sugar. Just a mm -hmm. quick glance, easy swaps. Like if you're baking something and it calls for a cup of sugar, I read somewhere, they're like, you can decrease that by a little bit. It's fine. I think we're used to everything being at a, a 10 on the sweet level, especially yeah. in the States. Like if you go overseas, things aren't, you can actually taste ingredients like cocoa when you have something. Whereas here, it's a lot more just super sweet, everything. So mm -hmm. refined sugar, refined white sugar is probably one of the biggest, I don't know. It, it's one of the parts of our diets that we have to be, I think a little bit more conscious of me first, especially after Eid. Eid weekend is yeah. all sugar all the time. Like there's no stopping it. You're like, it's the last weekend. Why not? But I think now is a good time to kind of reflect and see how are things going in terms of your eating as we kind of get back to quote unquote, normal day to day. Um, my last question for you. So I know we talked about how like working out can help us mentally. What about if you were just at that low, that low point, you know, people just sometimes life just gets to you or you're going through something more serious. I try to um, put in my planner, like go to the gym and I try mm -hmm. and know like if I drop my daughter to school and I come home, I'm not going to the gym. It won't happen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just need that sleep and that's the priority for the day. So I know Mel Robbins has this hack kind of a, you count down like five, four, three, two, one, and you get out of bed if you're feeling depressed, do you have any suggestions for anyone who is feeling that lowness? And I know I've been through it where you're just like life, just it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. No, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I've been there as well. I think everyone has 
a phase in their life where they just have like those really, really low days. And then they have really high days, but then they get hit suddenly by a low day. Sometimes it's imposter syndrome where your body's like, you can't feel this good for this long. Like, let me throw a curveball. But I think with working out, at least, at least the one thing I always encourage people to do is go out for like even a 10 minute walk, like Mm -hmm. go out into nature. If you live somewhere where you can actually walk outside, they did a study um, where they showed people pictures of a city um, for 10 minutes, like just skyscraper city, whatever. And then they showed people pictures of nature and like the simulated, like the feeling of being outdoors or something. And they saw that it reduced stress levels and anxiety by like 30%, um, just by the the going, like looking at nature or being outside and walking. Um, so like if anything, just get yourself to move for five to 10 minutes. I think we, like I said earlier, we set these like very big goals and these high expectations for ourselves. And sometimes I have days like, I'm like, I am not going to the gym. I was like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not in the mood. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, sometimes I know that getting me there is a the hard part. Well, once I'm there, I'll be grateful for it later. But then there are some days that you're just really not having a good day and you just need to like be in your bubble. Let yourself be in the bubble. You need yeah. to feel that's your body telling you something. And so many of us are trying to push it down and pretend like we don't have problems. Like, Allah told us himself in the Quran, like, I will test you. Here are the different ways I'm going to test you. But he also told us, ask me and I'll get like, you know, and I'm going to respond to you too. So we have to let ourselves go through the highs and lows because every single moment in our life is pivoting us where we're meant to be. And it's a lesson for us to learn about ourselves, to grow spiritually. So you're having a bad day, have a bad day it's okay to have a bad day. That's, you should have a bad day. <laughs> yeah. If your life is perfect, then Allah is testing you for real. That's like you're really scary. Dunzo. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't want to be there either. So I've had days where I don't have like the drive. I don't have the motivation. And that's why this program for me was something I wanted. Cause when you don't have the drive and you don't have the motivation, when you have the discipline, even if you don't feel like do it, doing it, you'll do it. And you're just, you're in this routine. Um, But then for people who like don't have any of that down, I would say like, don't expect yourself to go to the gym, just go for a walk, start with the basics. We jump way beyond our means and then we get frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, sadly, the Western mentality is just like grind and hustle until you die. You know, like there's no kindness. There's no like spirituality infused into the American culture anymore. There's no softness, really. Yeah, there's no softness. Exactly. Fully agree. Well, thank you so much, Farwa, for our discussion today. I think this was the absolute perfect discussion for a kind of a post-Ramadan check-in for everyone. Before we let you go, where can people see more of your work? So right now, I am personally taking a social media break. (laughs) So I mean, we all need it. Yeah. I mean, we all, I think I encourage that. Um, Sometimes we think that we need to be on it all the time. Um, So before Ramadan for me, I actually deactivated my Instagram, but when I am back, which will be soon, it's, you can just find me at like my name, Parva A. Sheikh. Um, But my, my TikTok is still active. 
same, same name, Farva A. Sheikh. I'm pretty active on TikTok. Um, and there I post short videos and stuff, trying to encourage you guys to work out and do better for myself first before I tell others. Um, but you no, know, thank you for having me. And I also um, have a renewed nafs journal on Amazon yeah. that you can find and all the money for that goes to charity. Um, so if you do want to, you know, get that book for yourself or someone, it's very straightforward. It's like a small workbook. Um, and it just really has all the elements of the program on each page for 40 days, just so that you can kind of keep track of like what you're doing and like what your routine is going to be um, that all like you're doing a service to yourself, but then your money goes to charity. So inshallah, um, if you ever want to do that, that's there as well. I do own it and I can vouch for it. It is, it is very helpful and simple. It's easy to use. So that is great. Join us again next month. Thank you again to our listeners for joining us on Sukun, a Muslim wellness podcast by Nasimko. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website, www.nasimko.org. To keep this vital work going, please consider donating under General Fund. Your contributions could lend you a special shout out on our next show. Until next time, Salam alaikum.